Welcome to Content Pros Podcast, where we unlock the strategies and secrets of the best content marketers in the world and ask the questions you've always wanted asked. Content Pros is sponsored by Clear Voice Content Marketing Software, helping you decrease your time spent creating content by up to 50% while doubling your online engagement. Convince and Convert, content marketing strategy advisors and counselors to leading brands and organizations worldwide. Convince and Convert makes your content better. Oracle Marketing Cloud, helping businesses use the latest marketing technologies to tell their stories and connect with their customers. And by Uberflip, a content experience platform that allows marketers to create, manage, and optimize tailored content experiences for every stage of the buyer journey. Now, here are your hosts, Jeffrey L. Cohen, Director of Content Strategy at Oracle Marketing Cloud, and from Uberflip, Randy Frisch. Ready? Let's talk to the pros. Welcome to Content Pros. I'm very excited for our guest today. We've got Joanna Weeb joining us. For those who don't know Joanna, I, I actually only heard her speak in person for the first time at our conference this past summer. Uh, Jeff Cohen, who's here with me as my co-host, also got to hear Joanna speak at that event. It was our UFX event for Uberflip in Toronto. Um, you know, Joanna is the founder of Copy Hackers, but you'll soon know her as the founder of more than that. We'll, we'll get into that soon. Um, you know, Jeff, maybe you can, uh, you know, do the official intro because I know you were excited by her talk at UFX. Absolutely. Thank, thanks, Randy. Happy to be here for another episode of Content Pros. And looking forward to this conversation with Joanna because it was very inspiring to me. It was one of many recent conversations or presentations that I've seen where people are finally saying it's time to create less content rather than more content, focus more on quality than quantity. Although as I bring Joanna in, I, I do want to, I do want to caution people. Some of her content is very, very long. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's high quality stuff and pretty comprehensive. When she uses the word ultimate, she actually means that literally. So Joanna, welcome to Content Pros. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Jeff and Randy. Yeah, um, it's, it was really fun to talk at UFX. And that was actually the first time that I had spoken about content because we talk about copywriting so much, like all the time at Copy Hackers. Um, but when we're doing that, we're creating content to talk about it. So it was really cool to get to stand up there and talk about what we do with content and what we've seen work and not work. Well, so what what we're going to do is I'll I'll actually let you guide this conversation. Oh. Basically, we'll I always start with sort of a, a big a big open ended question to to get our guests to describe what it is they do. What is what is copy hackers? What kind of space do you live in? But since we are talking to content marketers, I'll let you kind of bridge the gap between the your your copywriting skills and your content learning. So here here's your open-ended softball here question. Here I go. go. <laughs> <Wow>. right. <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> okay. Oh, I think it sounds like what, like, so one of the big questions that we get from people when we talk about copy is like, how is that different from content? Like, what do you mean? Um, and so like, I'll talk about writing long copy and they'll walk away saying, oh, I should write longer blog posts. And I'm like, hold on. Like I was talking about copy, like the thing that sells rather than 
content, which we at Copy Hackers, we identify the difference between the two as, well, copywriter is like a direct line to the yes. Copywriting is a direct line to the yes. And content creation is a dotted squiggly line to the yes, at least traditionally. But that was part of what we talked about at Uber Flip Experience was whether it should be the dotted squiggly line to the yes, or whether your content should be working harder to do what copywriting does. And that is try to get people by the time they're done reading that one thing to say yes to your offer. Um, so that's, uh, I mean, copywriting is what, again, what we talk about at Copy Hackers and we do all these tests for to try to increase conversion rates for businesses. But of course, copy takes place in emails and on websites and content takes place at minimum on your blog, um, where, yeah, there's been definitely a push against trying to get people to convert, which I think is very problematic. Today's episode of Content Pros is brought to you by Clear Voice. Need a freelance writer? Clear Voice Marketplace can help you. Looking for trending topics or influencers? No problem. Clear Voice Content Studio is the answer for that one. Looking to store all your brand guidelines, keywords, and personas in one accessible space? That's right, ClearVoice can do that too. Even pay all your writers from one secure account. Go to demo.clearvoice.com for a free demo and tell them your friends at Content Pros Podcast sent you. This difference is really pretty key, and and obviously it's it's the core of what you do when when you describe copywriting as getting getting someone to the yes. It it's something that lots of content marketers don't really think about. I, I guess as you alluded to, copy is all sorts of places. If you create a blog post or you create an ebook, what is the ultimate goal and and taking some of your copywriting learnings, it really does make sense to for content marketers to probably think a little more about that yes. Yeah, I think that there's like a push. I mean, increasingly so it feels in this content space, and I I mean, I think this is a good discussion. It feels to me like we've gone through this period, and maybe we're still deep in it, but we're like early adopters and big believers in content, so maybe this is just talking about something that will only really matter in a couple of years. I don't know. But for me right now, it feels like, okay, we have all these great content creators. We've got, you know, Unbounces charging forward with their blog and you guys create killer content at Uberflip, um, of course, and everywhere, right? Convince all of these different places that people are creating great content. Um, there's this, of course, great push to create more and better content. And as we talked about at the conference is publish less frequently and just make sure that what you're publishing is really outstanding stuff. Um, but so, so there's this, what's kind of been lost in this whole thing with content is like the business case for content. It seems that way, right? Like, and we could all say, well, no, that's not true. Like in some ways it's not, but when it comes down to what goes on the page, there continues to be resistance to trying to get people to convert by the end of your blog post, trying to get them to say, okay, I'll sign up for your free trial. Um, as if it's an, it kind of um, continues along with this whole myth that selling is dirty and we shouldn't do anything that tries hard to get people to say yes, because if we do that, we're selling out or we're not letting our product speak for itself or all these other myths that I think we go around telling ourselves 
um, until life gets hard, until it's like, oh crap, we really actually need to make money or we're going to have to fire people. And we have this huge blog that we've been contributing all of this content to in the hopes that one day people will say yes, because they've read so much great stuff from us and they've come to trust us. And yet they're not saying yes to us. They're not doing anything for us. And we're actually going to have to shut down this business or do some huge pivot in order to keep alive in order to like, or in order to solve this problem. So businesses are investing in content. They're not asking it to get people to say yes. And then they're stunned when nobody says yes, they keep consuming your content. They don't do anything or support your brand in any way. Um, And then you're supposed to what? Keep making more content still because you've trained your audience that, they can just come consume your content and go away and you're just here as like a public utility or something. But in reality, we're a business and we have to actually monetize our content. And it feels to me like people realize that too late. By the time their content team is already fatigued, by the time they're already like, well, we can't keep hiring for content when content is not being monetized in any way. And I know it's an ugly thing and nobody wants to hear it, especially in the tech startup world. But that is the harsh and very real, again, reality as what, at least what I'm seeing um, with some of the bigger, better blogs that are out there. Um, You got to start selling in it, but people don't want to. I, I love the way you frame that because one of the things I've certainly advocated for years is you spend all this effort creating these blog posts. And if you're not giving somebody the opportunity to do something at the end, in other, in other words, raise their hand, say they're interested, yeah. sign up for an email at least if you don't have additional pieces of content, or as you say, in a tech startup, trying to get people to sign up for a free trial. It, it's, you have to give them that opportunity. Um, it, it's, just, it's just part of the nature and and I agree, a lot of people are either scared of it or don't understand it. Yeah. So just to take this one step further, one of the pieces of content that I alluded to earlier that you pointed out to us, uh, what's it called? It is called the <laughs> Ultimate Copywriting Crash Course. Okay. No, it's not that one. I'm sorry. I clicked on <laughs> There's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's the wrong one. I, I clicked on something else. I'm sorry. This is this is the the ultimate guide to no pain copywriting or every copywriting formula ever. I'm sorry, I had too many tabs open. No worries. Um, I hear that. And so this particular post, you list it or the software lists it as a 59 minute read, and it has over 5,000 shares. So when you say ultimate you really mean ultimate. You've taken all the resources and put them in this post. And I'd, I'd love to hear a little bit about this kind of from both sides, from the, the content side and how a piece like this, how you conceive of it and sort of how it comes together and why you do it. But then also, how does it fit into your theory of copywriting where you're using this to try to get somebody to actually say yes? Yeah. Okay, totally. Love it. So this was one of our um, more ambitious pieces, and it was really a response to what people were telling us they wanted. So we do a lot of case study posts um, where we say, here's what we learned 
about how to write a headline or how to think of a button, not just based on what people have said before, but we went and took that and we tested. So that's what our posts are usually about. And this one was like, okay, hold on. Everybody is taking this idea of you should do your research, which is great. Yes, you should. Go listen to your customers and then use their language like on the page, like just repeat back to them what they said on the page. And so people we were finding were doing that, but they were missing this key part, which is sometimes that language that your customer uses, although it's it's great, it isn't as it doesn't do as much as it could do if you were to use a formula to strengthen it. So using some sort of headline formula or when you're putting your whole page together, thinking of a framework where you lead with the problem instead of always leading with your solution. Um, so we knew that people were struggling to actually take what they were learning from their customers and prospects and visitors, that language, and turn it into really effective copies. So we're like, well, formulas are they're at the core of really strong copy just as much as um, voice of customer data is. So we're like, okay, well, let's write this post. So I started chipping away at this. I didn't know it was going to be massive at the time, but I just started like collecting every email, every email formula, every ad formula, every headline, button, page layout, anything, any formula I came across, I started collecting it. And so it took something like 100 hours over time to put this post together, um, including pulling all the pieces together in those final like 10 hours of, of actually writing it. But we had this this big piece that we pulled together to try to help people um, connect the dots between what we'd been saying in other places and and what they could actually do. Um, now, how did that, so our goal with that, and we do believe that, I mean, this isn't something we believed in the beginning. We didn't know in the beginning that every piece you publish should be tied to a campaign or should have a very clear business goal attached to it. And we don't believe that business goal should be raise awareness. Like that's not easy for small businesses to do anything with. Um, so we we're like, okay, well, our goal is going to be just to get a bunch of leads off this, right? Like we know this is a highly searched phrase, which a lot of us know. Um, and we know that it's going to be the the biggest resource and the most complete resource on this important topic um, that's out there. And so we did what everybody is told to do, but we actually did it for this one where we put this big piece together. We wrote an anticipation building email the day before we sent it out to our list. And then we, in that email where we sent it out, we actually asked them to share it, knowing that our goal was to get more people to the page so we could collect more addresses that could then go into immediately into our campaign, um, our drip campaign there about, um, actually, well, where the end goal, I think five emails in is where they buy a course on writing copy that converts and how to get there, how to do more with your formulas, essentially. So we did those things. We asked in the email, that was a big important point, was actually saying in the email, we need you to share this, please. If you like what you see, can you please pay for it by sharing it? Um, and then we put a screenshot of exactly what that looks like. Like, you'll see this in on the on the post. You'll just need to click this. And then there's a pre-populated tweet in there. Um, and that was the first time we'd gone that detailed and specific on our ask and actually made a real ask there, um, like a real call to action outside of just, hey, read our post and, you know, tell us what you think or some garbage like that. Um, so we put this together. We pushed hard on promoting it before we started the actual promotion. Like before it was even published, we were setting up the pieces to get it promoted. 
then, of course, we did. We saw some really good results immediately. We had a bunch of people um, um, start sharing it and new people coming in from new spaces and our leads were they went, they were huge. Like the and by leads, of course, here I'm meaning like just subscribers. Um, and this was at the same time, we published at the same time that we were getting ready to promote a mastermind. So the first copywriter mastermind that we had where each seat in it at the time was, I think, $600 a month. Um, so we knew we'd need a lot of copywriters in order to find the right ones in there that this would be the right solution for. So when we published this big post, and thank God it actually did great things things and went out there and people shared it a lot and it got lots of comments and lots of love in lots of different ways. Um, We also grew big time the number of copywriters on our list and we sold out our mastermind, which launched, which opened up, I think, three weeks later. Um, So that's one. And that was really the beginning. That was the beginning of us saying, okay, we're going to do campaign focus, right? We're, every time we publish something, it's going to have a campaign focus. We're not going to publish just because we're like, oh, we haven't published in a month. We should probably get something out there. We're going to just publish knowing that what we're doing and all the work we're going to put into promoting that will lead directly, not in a dotted squiggly line, but directly lead to sales that can help keep our business going and help us create that better content. So that's exactly what happened with that post. And a lot of pieces had to align to make it work. Like it could have been that our list was like, "Mm, no, I don't get formulas. I'm not going to do it. Or "Mm, you were too specific and it was annoying to me to be asked to share this stuff. But thank God they weren't like that and it it worked. And I don't have reason to believe that it couldn't keep working, although we haven't been as pushy with a post since then. That's such a cool story. I mean, like, it's it's as though you went to, to write a story on best practices and you can write an article on the outcome of that, which is its own story after. It's 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 almost a story that keeps giving, I guess. Um, so we're about halfway through this podcast, and I, I feel like now everyone's just kind of wowed with your approach and and how you do it. And and I know if I was listening, I'd have a couple of like more specific. So what I'm going to do is almost like rewind us a bit and go into a couple of things that that were kind of coming to me, you know, that Jeff had referred to and that you had referred to, Joanna, and just go back and and kind of dig deeper on on your approach. And one of them is length, right? I mean, we've we've heard Jeff allude to, you know, the length. So I actually actually did something fun just before. I went to copyhackers.com and I I took a look at the top 9 posts there and I mm-hmm. added them up on my calculator and I got an average of 23.77 minutes. So, just so everyone knows, this is not like an anomaly piece, this, you know, long post. So, we talked about you specifically focus on long meaty posts. I mean, I I sometimes get a, get intimidated with a 10-minute post like that. That double digit yeah. scares me. Tell tell us a little bit about why long. I mean, you talked about focus on quality, but does quality need to equate to to, to length? I, and I don't think that it needs to, right? Like we've published a lot of the top posts that we've published. I mean, most of our posts that we've published take about 20, 25 minutes to read. And I think that's because um, we aim to go a bit deeper with things. So uh, we're writing in something, I mean, as writing about copywriting means that you've really got a lot of competition because 
copywriters write, which means naturally they're going to go tell the world things and do it much more easily than, let's say, a plumber. A plumber doesn't live in the world of writing. So if something works for that plumber in his life or her life, he's not going to go over and now blog about it. But a copywriter, especially one who's trying to drum up more clients and show what that what he or she knows, um, is going to do a lot of writing. So we're already living in this space where there's a lot of copywriters talking about stuff. And of course, Copyblogger has been like the biggest name in this space for so long. So we knew we couldn't write the same things other people were writing. And that what we did have that was unique to us was talking more about what happens when you take these better practices you're learning about and actually test them, put them to the test, and then tell the world how that test went, even if it lost. And usually, especially if it lost, those are really interesting ones. People love to see you fail. So um, so we've shared a lot of that kind of... It's, it's the kind of stuff that we're writing about insists that we spend a little more time um, on a post because we're not just going to say six ways to write a headline better. We're going to say, here's one way we learned. We learned it from these 20 different sources. And here's what we tested. Here's what was before. Here's what came during. Here's what's after. Here's what we can take away. So there's just a lot that's already built into that. Um, So our posts are naturally longer. But we've had a lot of lengthy posts that have done nothing. Like they haven't moved at all. We have like 49 shares on them or something like that and like three comments. Um, so I don't think it has to do with length. I think that there have just been some that have said things maybe differently from how other people were saying them. And they just so happened to come at the right time in the space that we're in. Um, so I definitely don't think that a post has to be long. That said... I think if you're going to write a really short post, you have to be Seth Godin and that's it. So if you're not <laughs> Seth Godin, you don't get to. That's, <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. That's quite the benchmark. Yeah. Quite the benchmark there. <laughs> no, I like that. I like that way of thinking about it. It's almost as, as though it's it's part of your strategy in defining who you are as a source for content, it sounds like. And in your case, you've equated the copy hackers brand with long, insightful yeah, you know, reads that that are going to keep you captured through that entire post. So it's that's an interesting approach. Today's episode of Content Pros is brought to you by Uberflip and their weekly podcast called Flip the Switch, where they bring some of the brightest marketing minds together to provide useful insights, actionable takeaways, and a fresh approach to the content marketing challenges you face daily. Head over to bit.ly slash flip content to discover the tips and tactics that will help you flip the switch from ordinary to remarkable. So jumping to another area that I was kind of wondering is, as you were going through earlier and you were talking about, you know, pushing for that yes. And there's a lot of different ways to push for a yes. Um, and I can't remember what I read from you recently, but it, it talked about your theory on pop-ups. Um, and maybe you can share with all of us, you know, cause it's kind of like, you know, there's that, that, you know, debate around gating, right? You know, the gate debate, mm. uh, do I gate mm-hmm. or do I not, you know, do I pop up? Do I not pop up? Um, you know, and taking away even the, the more recent, you know, concerns around Google and SEO, just what's your, what's your opinion in terms of the experience and how to make that, that the right experience? So we use pop-ups and um, even with the Google threats, we'll have to see what happens there. But 
and this is we're actually writing a post. We're chipping away on a post about this as well because um, this is a bit of a note. But like, so the the, the why do people use pop-ups? It's the same reason they use ads too. There has to be some way to pay for this content. And that's what we're talking about. We're saying content that gets to the yes as well. We've been living in this really kind of crazy land where everybody gives away all the greatest information and nobody is ever expected to pay in any way for it. So if you put an ad on your site, well, I'll just install an ad blocker. And if you ask for Um, my email address as a way to pay for that content. Well, screw you. I hate pop-ups. I'm going to go tell the world I hate pop-ups. And actually, I mean, I was just talking about this. I think it was yesterday. Like, why would Google penalize you for having pop-ups on your site? Not because there's anything inherently wrong that, I mean, I'm sure it could be easily phrased like there is, but that is a form of paying for content, obviously. And if they're selling ads and that's the other way to pay for content, then of course it would be better for Google if there was one way that people charged for their content and that was somehow something to do with ads or whatever that's actually on there. Um, but I, so I know that in order for us to keep creating the content that our audience today and our audience of the future uses to grow their businesses without having to pay anything. They didn't have to pay a dime and they could go take what they learned and use it immediately. It's obviously their choice if they choose to use it or not. It's totally up to them, but they can learn what we would teach them. They can't afford to hire us. There's no way most of them could possibly afford to hire us. Um, We're giving you everything we're learning. We're walking you through how we'd help our clients. You're getting it for free. All we ask is that you give us your email address as a way for us to then, if we can provide more value to you, again, more free stuff, and finally get to a place where you're ready to buy something from us, where you're like, okay, I know how to do this, but I really need to master email marketing if I'm ever going to get to a place where I can sell with email. Then we've got a course for you on that, and we'll present that offer to you down the road, and you can, of course, say no to it. But there's huge resistance to pop-ups. I understand why, but it's the same thing as like, yeah, you don't want to pay for anything and you have to pay for something. So if you're not going to use a pop-up, if you don't want me to use a pop-up, then I'm going to write content that where every post ends up feeling a bit more. It's still educational, but by the end of it, you find yourself having gone through a long-form sales page and you didn't even know it. And now you're at the bottom and you're buying something. So that's me paying, getting you to pay for the content somehow, the emails or um, the email pop-ups or ads on the site. But there has to be a way to pay for it. For us right now, it's email pop-ups. And there are good ways to do it, right? And there's some pop-ups that are better than others. So we worked with Balance Exchange for a long time. We had their pop-ups on our site. Um, Balance Exchange gets a bad rep for um, having really negative opt-out messaging. And when they were working with us, we didn't use make me feel bad about myself opt-out buttons. Like, uh, you know, download the free ebook or no, I'm a complete moron. Like those two bad buttons, like where, you know, that's a problematic pop-up. It's not good for any brand. It's not good for the customer. It's not good in any way for anybody. Um, So, but the good thing about the two button opt-out thing is we've seen that having that consequence for that pop-up, if you decide you're going to put pop-ups on your site um, to have a way of paying for that content, then having the opt-in versus opt-out we saw did 
crazy awesome things for our list and for getting subscribers for us as well. Um, so there's lots to say about it, but right now I'm like just so irritated <laughs> with the discussion around pop-ups as if, well, how else? Like there's that commercial that was for that insurance company where Lucy from the characters from Peanuts they were like reviewing something around a boardroom table and they were saying, oh, I like it, but it should only be five cents. And the guy was like, well, everything can't be five cents, you guys. Um, and that's kind of how I feel about people who complain about who install the ad blockers and don't want to use an email, don't like email pop ups. Like, I can't help you then because I can't keep producing this for free. I'm not a martyr. I'm not a moron. I'm here in business and I'm here to help you. And if you don't want to exchange your email address for that and you don't think my content's worth it, then by all means, please don't come back. And I know that that's an unfriendly attitude to have, but it's an actual business attitude to have. I can't keep giving everything away. That, yeah, that's, that's a great way to frame. <laughs> it's a great way to frame that discussion. And well, there's um, so much to it, right? Like it's such a big discussion, but um, yeah. At, Absolutely. And I'm not going to ask you to take one of your classes for five cents. I'll, I'll leave that discussion for another <laughs> everything time. Everything can't be five cents and everything can't be free. If you want free, you're going to get a blog post that says here are six ways to write a headline. They're not going to give you anything deeper because the people who can give that deeper information are going to be, what, working for some other organization. So, Joanna, I noticed that you've actually learned an awful lot about how teams come together to create content. And in, mm. and in fact, you've learned so much that you actually built a tool to, to help your team and other teams do that. Can, can you share a little bit about this tool that you're calling Air Story? Yes, I'd, I'd love to. Yeah, we're, as people who've been in content creation for a long time and then copywriting, of course, as well, everything I do is, I mean, writing is core to my job and that's true for a lot of people. Um, and so we've been, over the past couple of years, been thinking about, you know, some of the challenges that we're facing when we're writing content um, and we're trying to do so with other people. Like we've had clients that have had us working on their content, not just their, um, not only their copy copywriting. And so along the way, there've been like some clear problems for us. So one of the things is that the writing platforms that exist today, um, like Word or Google Docs or even um, Dropbox Paper, those are all very cool. And some of them are way cooler than others, right? Like Dropbox Paper compared to Microsoft Word is night and day, right? But it's still when you sit down to quote unquote, create your content or write your post or put together that ebook or whatever it might be, you're still like forced to just like stare at the blank white page. Like you still, you open up the document and you stare at it and then you go and maybe you do some research and you copy and paste that back into your document um, and then you copy and paste your way around. So the piece of research you pasted there, you no longer want there. So you cut it and you hit enter a whole bunch of times and then, or you add new pages and, and then you, you paste that content down further. It's this big cluttered mess of actually like trying to pull the pieces together so you can produce an ebook. When you think about like Brian Dean's skyscraper method, where you're pulling in a lot of other people's ideas and then building on top of them, it's so research intense, but these 
documents, like these platforms like Google Docs, as great as they are for a lot of things, they don't actually help you put anything on the page. So we were like, okay, well, we know that the best content that we read, the best blog posts, and even beyond that, a business proposal, I mean, all of it is based, it's it's kind of modular when it comes down to it. You've got a whole bunch of research, and then you put it on the page, and then you write around it and move things around until it feels good. Um, And then you ask people to come look at it, and they give you more feedback on it. So we just created a way to fill up the blank white page, which is, okay, you put all your research together in cards that feel like, you know, Trello. So you're used to using something like Trello or even Evernote to put your ideas somewhere. Um, So we're doing, you do that, you just add your cards in there, any research, a data point, you have a testimonial, whatever it might be. Um, And then you drag and drop the card right onto the document. You move it around, you click to accept the card, like to merge it into your document. Um, And again, obviously moving things around. And when you want to cut something, you just highlight it and turn it into a card. So it goes off to the side into this card library we have. So what we've done is we've merged the research and the document together. So you don't have to go through and like search your Dropbox or whatever it might be, wherever you put that one data point. Where did that data point go? You don't know. Here it's um, in this way, it's, it's in AirStory in your card library. And then from there, um, you can obviously invite people to collaborate on the document with you and you can set you know, permissions and all that kind of stuff. Um, but where it's really interesting for teams is with that card library, um, if your whole team is using that Airstory account, let's say you've got three writers who are writing blog posts for you. Um, if they're all working out of the same Airstory account, they're all adding their ideas into the same group like card library, which means that if Victoria adds in 20 cards about the new rules of SEO and she doesn't actually put a post together or she puts a little post together, but she only uses like four of those ideas for that post. And now Jessica comes along and she's going to write an ebook about the new rules of SEO. She now has access to Victoria's 20 cards with all of that research in there. So she's always got a head start. Um, So the more teams use this together, the faster and easier it is to actually go ahead and take research, your whole team's research and put it on the page. That's awesome. I, I'm sure a lot of people are going to check that out. I, I believe they can learn more at airstory.co. Um, and uh, I would imagine that if you can pull together a 59-minute read this way, it's clearly making making the life of many people uh, come together, as you put it. So we are running low on time, but we always like to get yeah. to know our guests. So I've, I've kind of been like writing down some fun little lightning questions. So we're going to hold you to like one or two word answers here. Um, and you know, I know that your answer for creation is going to be air story from now, now on. I mean, that's where you're going to love to create content, (laughs) but if you didn't have the luxury of a computer, I'm wondering, are you more of a pen or pencil type of person? Pen, pen. definitely. All right. a pen. So it's 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 in ink. It's it's not going away. Good to know. Okay, let's move on. Okay. I know you're Canadian, like me, um, or you got some Canadian <laughs> roots in you. Uh, East coast or west coast? West coast represent. All right, all right. We'll let we'll let it slide. Even though <laughs> Jeff's kind of in the middle, I'm more east, but we'll we'll let it go. Um, all right. Uh, I, I mean, we've talked a lot about this one, but when you're reading other people's content not your own, are you more likely to gravitate to a short post or a long post? 
a good post. Um, <laughs> long. Long. Okay. Long. So, so what's your like, yeah, if you're reading on medium or some, some sort of experience that's going to give you that, that length, what's your ultimate length that you, you get enticed by? Ah, that's what he said. Um, the <laughs> ultimate length that you get enticed by um, that does sound is <laughs> that's copy that gets anyway. you to the yes. Uh, just gonna throw that in. Sometimes. sometimes. Um, okay, so the ultimate length. I guess I'm looking for about a 15 minute okay, read. Cool, cool. Uh, all right, more just socially. Where are we more likely to find you? Like you more of like an Instagram or Snapchat type of person? Neither. Holy crap. I don't, I don't, so I don't understand Snapchat. So be between the two Instagram. All right, fair enough. I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat, but I'm getting it a little bit more. Um, all right, we'll, we'll finish with like with another one. That's kind of tricky. I mean, writing is a team in-house writing team or outsourced writing team. Oh, there's such benefits in both. Um, I know it's lightning round. I'm not being lightning. <laughs> okay. I'm going to say, I'm going to say outsourced because I can't, not say that yeah cool cool awesome well Joanne it it was really fun getting to know you uh getting all your thoughts um you know for everyone who's curious we've already talked about air story but you know you you are the founder of copy hackers and I encourage a lot of people to check out the content there great way to you know to up your game in terms of how you're approaching your content um on behalf of Jeff Cohen over at our Oracle Marketing Cloud uh I'm Randy Frisch over at Uberflip uh this has been a Vince and Convert family podcast. So we've got a whole bunch of podcasts. If you're enjoying this one, uh, you can find them all on the Convince and Convert website. If you enjoyed this podcast, there's more of them at contentprospodcast.com. And of course, you can also find them on iTunes, where we encourage you to give us feedback, leave a review, let us know what you like. Let us know what could be better. Um, hopefully, the length of this podcast was good. We talked so much about length, uh, but uh, we'll uh, we'll look forward to talking to you on the next one. Thanks so much. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to Content Pros. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast listening app. Go to contentprospodcast.com for a complete show archive and greatest hits. Content Pros is sponsored by Clear Voice Content Marketing Software. Convince and Convert, Oracle Marketing Cloud, and by Uberflip, and is produced by Convince and Convert Media. Find more great shows like Content Pros at marketingpodcast.com, the first search engine for marketing podcasts. Podcast imaging by...